Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Are you still supporting HBCU football? Are you still watching Jackson State? When Prime left, did you all leave? I was trying to stay prayed up. I was be praying 23 hours a day, Lord, <laughs> just let me make it. Global warming is real. There's no way you could do a three-a-day practice in this weather that's out there now. Impossible. He didn't look ready to me. People have confidence just in knowing that you know. People don't trust you when they know that you don't know. World champion of what? America need to be your main gal, and you need to represent her abroad like that. We believe in change, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, start of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are joining us for another edition. And if this is your first time aboard, welcome. We hope that it's not your last. And I'll certainly share ways that you can be interactive with the podcast in just a bit. But I also want to thank and welcome the folks who listen to each and every episode. Those who like us, who talk about us, who talk about us around the wine cooler, the wine cooler, the, the water cooler. Uh, and is that still a thing now? Is the water cooler still a thing, especially if you're working remotely? I don't know. But nonetheless, if you talk about us, share us with your friends, talk about what you hear on the podcast. Thank you for that. Great show coming up. Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit will join us. We're going to talk some NFL, a little bit of NBA, some college football. You know it's wide open. We can go in any direction. We'll touch on a little bit of baseball as well. And, of course, we'll have some headlines. No Lamont Award, but we will. We'll hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and a whole lot more. So with that, let me tell you ways that you can be interactive. You can do so by calling the sports line that's available 24 hours a day. You can leave a message, a question, a comment, a request, a rebuttal, any of those things, 832-941-6614. In addition to that, you can join us on the Facebook page, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Facebook page. Also, you can hit me up on the web. Website, wadeswordproductions.com, wadeswordproductions.com. And, of course, on Twitter, I'm at wadesword, but on IG, the Devin Wade. And, of course, on threads as well, the Devin Wade. So those are ways that you can interact with me and other folks who listen to the podcast. We certainly appreciate it. And with that, let's get started with some headlines. There's so many things that we can get into when you talk about the headlines, especially after the first week of the NFL season. And these are the days where I could do a show every day. Obviously, I'm not able to do a show every day, but I certainly wish that I could because there's so many things to talk about. Of course, the Astros in first place by their lonesome after, uh, I mean, really battling adversity through injuries. And so they are finally in first, but they're not looking stable because they're only one game up. They lost two out of three to the last place Oakland A's. But things aren't much better for the Texas Rangers as Max Scherzer is done for at least the regular season and likely for the playoffs. That's a big blow to their starting rotation, which is not 
as strong as the Astros or the Mariners, for that matter. Mariners a game and a half back. So the battle for the AL West is not over by any stretch of the imagination. And I think very soon we'll have a former Houston Astro, former major leaguer, join the podcast to talk about the team. A guy you're going to want to hear from. Don't want to jinx it, so we won't mention his name. But uh, we've been meaning for a long time to get some more baseball folks on the special teams unit, so we look forward to that. Also, uh, Houston Rockets news. Man, not the kind of news you want to talk about. Kevin Porter Jr. arrested on a domestic abuse charge, allegedly choking and beating up a former WNBA player, his girlfriend, at a New York hotel. He has been arraigned, pleaded not guilty. Rumors are, and I don't think that this sort of reports are, that the Rockets are looking to shop him. They don't want to deal with that situation, but um, not looking good for uh, Kevin Porter Jr. The young lady has a broken bone in her neck. Uh, so she has a broken neck, a bone, a vertebrae in her neck is broken, and she had a laceration or a cut over her eye. And that allegedly came from an assault at the hands of Kevin Porter Jr. This is not, uh, we sort of know how these things are going to start to play out. And we'll see. I mean, obviously he's innocent until proven guilty. But the NBA is certainly investigating. The Rockets are investigating. And the reports are that they're trying to ship him. I don't know if that's possible at this time. So we'll have to keep an eye out on that. I think the biggest takeaway week one, I mean, obviously some upsets. But Aaron Rodgers. Four plays into his Jets career, done for. And if you saw the injury up close, he popped that Achilles tendon. And uh, is it over for a career for Aaron Rodgers? Probably we've seen uh, maybe him coming back on fumes. I, I could be wrong. I mean, modern medicine is is what it is. And it all comes down to his determination and dedication to come back at the age of like 40. You know, he'll be 39, 40, 41 coming back from that kind of injury can he come back i don't know but it's a devastating blow to the new york jets hopes of going deep in the playoffs if not super bowl because if you look at that team Brees hall and just what they're able to do gary wilson that defense man amazing that team is a solid solid football team zach wilson the guy who was demoted and nearly shipped out of there reassumes uh reigns in new york but, boy, that is a devastating blow. And it, it reverberates around the entire NFL, especially the AFC East. And, of course, we'll talk to Reggie Brown about that coming up a little bit later. We have a this or that segment with him as well. So that's going on. I think uh, you want to talk about the Texans. Texans look like the Texans look. What surprises me is 44 passing attempts for C.J. Stroud. That's uh that's a lot for a guy who did not get a lot of preseason action. Obviously, you go on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens. is not usually going to end well, and it didn't, despite the fact that Baltimore really didn't look that good. And then in the third quarter, they lose running back J.K. Dobbins for the season. That's a terrible blow for that team. But, boy, they ought to be accustomed now to losing running backs every year because that seems to happen every year in Baltimore. So we'll have to keep an eye out on what that means for the Ravens. The other significant things outside of Houston are the upsets and the road wins in week one. Now, obviously, week one will look a little bit different now that the game has sort of changed and that these guys don't get a lot of preseason action for the most part. Probably as little or less than they've ever gotten before when it comes to live action and actually really playing games in the preseason. So uh, they come in, and of course these guys are in great shape. They're not 
playing preseason to get in shape like they did in the old days. But you do need that live action. We saw where I thought uh, Jalen Hurts didn't look great in week one. He didn't play in the preseason. And other teams just didn't look uh, good. But I think, obviously, the defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, are in a situation where they didn't have Travis Kelsey and they didn't have Chris Johnson, who has subsequently signed and came aboard. But still a game you want to win if you're the Kansas City Chiefs in your home opener as the world champs. You fall short, and Detroit has every reason in the world to celebrate a big-time win for them and their fan base, and we've been hearing from them out of the woodwork from all over the place. So that's been a, a big deal for them. In addition to that, the Cleveland Browns, I thought, were a huge, impressive win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow gets all his money, but he didn't get the win. He didn't look good, and that Browns defense looked really, really good. And we'll see what Deshaun Watson turns into in his second year, his first full year as a Cleveland Brown on the field. So we'll keep an eye out for that. The Dallas Cowboys, man, huge, huge, just a devastating night for the New York Giants. And if that defense plays like that, you won't have to worry too much about whatever Dak Prescott does. But I thought all in all, that was a great victory. And I think you you find with Dallas Cowboy fans, they are still apprehensive. They, they're sort of – the bravado – it's almost worse when they lose because they fight harder. But the bravado sort of dies down after a win like this when they have every reason in the world to celebrate. I think that they've become accustomed to waiting for the other shoe to drop and we'll see what that means. But big win week one for them. We'll talk about that one with Reggie Brown as well. So a lot going on. I want to talk a little bit about Coach Prime. We mentioned him last time on the podcast. Hey, it continues. The energy, the excitement, and you got to love it. I mean, it's great for college football. It's great for Colorado. Doesn't do much for HBCU other than the fact you can look at it like this. For Shadour Sanders – and Travis Hunter to go out and dissect their first two opponents, Nebraska and TCU, the way that they have, it really speaks to the fact that there is a high caliber of talent in the SWAC. I mean, he did it against the SWAC, and, and really, in a way, he didn't. Week in and week out, he didn't dominate like he's dominated these last two weeks. Now, again, he was a freshman, sophomore, so he was just getting accustomed. Now he's another year older, much more experienced, and much more coaching you know, in a little bit different circumstance. But to do what he's continued to do, when he really didn't do the same, quite the same in the swag, it speaks to the talent level. So I think there is room to celebrate the fact that, yeah, he yeah, he was the, a guy here in, in this conference that did really, really well. Travis Hunter was a guy that did well in the conference. But they have exploded in the early part of their season as Pac-10 Power five participants. So with that continued success, it's just a, a really a tribute to the talent that uh, the SWAC has. And I, and I just want to see more of it. You don't want to see these guys poached. We saw a guy in Isaiah Hamilton who left TSU to go to U of H have a big week. And you, you don't want to see our guys continue to get poached. I mean, it's the nature of the beast these days. It's not just happening to HBCUs, but it really stings a little bit more when it happens to those schools. You see top talent signing NIL deals and going to bigger universities, 
but you want to appreciate the talent that's in the swag. But Coach Prime is getting all the attention, and, boy, that is a, a good thing. And, you know, again, we will continue to have these discussions around, around the residual effect of of Coach Prime and his, his stint in the swag. Now, I think that'll be an HBCU discussion. I don't think the major media people are even thinking about this at all. They're on to the next thing, and the next thing is Colorado State and and Jay Norville sort of calling Coach Prime out without using his name and, and all of the pomp and circumstance and the circus that comes uh, with the excitement around the Colorado program. It's a wonderful thing, and I'm happy for Coach Prime. Conversely, though, and on the other end of the spectrum, boy, the Mel Tucker situation in Michigan State is tough being investigated for inappropriate interaction, sexual harassment. Uh, the head coach signed a nine-year, $90 million deal, stands to lose $80 million of that if these uh, accusations are found to be true. And, again, that's another – I mean, look, one person – does not represent a race or a whole group of African-American coaches. But it's not good that an African-American, prominent African-American coach in a Power Five conference, which there are very, very few of. I mean, maybe, I mean, I think Tucker and Sanders are the only two. I could be wrong about that. But not a lot. Not a lot on Power Five, on the Power Five level. And you just don't want to see these sorts of things be true. If it is true, obviously he deserves whatever he gets. But, boy, that's a uh, difficult situation that a lot of folks are keeping an eye out. Obviously, we're not in Big Ten territory. I mean, like, we're, we're not in Big Ten country. We are in Texas. And, of course, Texas has a huge win over Alabama. But it only counts if they can follow this up with success. They still have to play Oklahoma. They have to go through their schedule. So if they lose three or four games, a early season win over Alabama means nothing, especially if Alabama goes on the right ship. I mean, in the SEC, we've seen some big losses. LSU with a big loss. Now Alabama, Georgia's still the big dogs, pun intended, in the SEC. But we'll have to see if those two teams will be the teams that they have always been. But it's hard to replace a team full of NFL guys each and every year. And that is what happens to these major programs like LSU, like Alabama. So we'll see. Any comments, any questions, anything you want to get into, of course, you can always give us a call, 832-941-6614. Going to take a time out when we come back. Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit, that and more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. 
it's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. want to make a correction and some clarifications as I, uh, I looked at some things during the break. First of all, I mentioned Chris Johnson. I really was talking about Chris Jones for the Kansas City Chiefs. Just saw a clip of Chris Johnson the other day when they were talking about 2,000-yard rushers, the former running back for the Tennessee Titans. But uh, in reference to what I was talking about, I was talking about Chris Jones, and I think I called him Johnson. The other thing that I sought clarity on is the number of African-American coaches in FBS or Power 5, and they're more than just two. I talked about Mel Tucker and Deion Sanders, but there are also uh, coaches at Syracuse, Dino Babers, Marcus Freeman, of course, at Notre Dame, Tony Elliott at Virginia, James Franklin at Penn State, Mike Loxley at Maryland, and Ryan Walters at Purdue. There are other African-American coaches at smaller FBS schools, uh, Jay Norville, who is going up against Coach Prime, African-American. And I want to say Western Michigan's coach is African-American. So I think the number was 14 out of 133 programs. So not stellar numbers by any stretch. And to have the highest, the once highest paid coach in all of college football, an African-American coach in Mel Tucker, drop the ball and get involved in something like this, allegedly, is really demoralizing and while everyone is fighting for more diversity, especially at head coaching positions in football, more African-American coaches in college football, that is, uh, again, you hate it because it should have nothing to do with the merit of the next guy up for the job. But you know that there are alumni that are not eager for that sort of diversity. We see it here in Texas where they're eliminating all diversity programs and they don't even want to look at race or try to be more inclusive or more diverse. You know that there are alumni that feel the same way. And when situations like the Mel Tucker situation happen, they can say, look, look at that guy. Look at, and it's so unfair and it's so racist and it's so prejudiced in the way these things are thought of. But still, you don't, you know, you just don't want to see that for a guy who could have meant so much for so many other coaches and aspiring coaches to be the highest paid. And I don't think there's any way he's going to come out of this, even if he is not guilty. I think some of these charges can be so damaging, especially at a place like Michigan State, where their history is so horrible. They have no choice, I think, but to move on. Because if say if you exonerate him, unless he just has like a smoking gun of evidence saying that this didn't happen. Because he's saying it was consensual. Unless you have a smoking gun. It is hard for an institution like Michigan State to say, hey, we believe in him and not the victim or the alleged victim. When you went so long without addressing the Larry Nassar situation. So it's tough stuff all the way around. But I just wanted to clarify that. The other thing I want to talk about, Texas Southern goes to Toledo last week, loses, we lose 71-3, to called that game, Larry the Chatterbox Hill. And from time to time, we go out, and that was my first, my first time, my very first time in Toledo. And from time to time, we venture out, and we did, ventured out by foot. And uh, I, I'd never been to Toledo, had no preconceived notions of Toledo other than 
the phrase Holy Toledo. I think Milo Hamilton was one of the guys that used it a lot. I'm sure he's not the originator of the, the I don't know where it originated from, but the, the phrase Holy Toledo, you, all, you also saw it on signs in Toledo. But first time there, didn't realize about 50 miles outside of Detroit. And you can tell that it is a part of what they call the Rust Belt. They've gone through some hard times. You can see how pretty and and thriving that city once was, but you see a lot of vacant buildings now. You see a lot of empty buildings, a lot of things that and, – and I think I went over most of Toledo. I mean, it seems like there was no easy way to get around anything in Toledo, at least the way we were going. But we ventured out, and we crossed the Maumee River. And one of the things I noticed where there were a lot of African-American references – and I didn't realize the African-American population was as large as it seems to be in Toledo. I didn't look up the stats. But crossing the Mummy on the, I guess it was the Main Street Bridge, there's a, a statue or a, a post with four busts of Martin Luther King with different facial expressions. And I thought that was really, really nice, really unique display and tribute to Martin Luther King. And also a big placard celebrating the 100th year of the Negro League and talking about the Negro League teams that were in Toledo. But let me say this. We went out walking near downtown. And this could happen in any city, Houston included. But we went a couple of blocks. It was okay. A couple more blocks. A little sketchy. By block five or six, it was time to get the hell out of there because they knew we were not from around there. And, uh, yeah. You got a sense that not a lot of people from anywhere came to visit that part of Toledo. We got out, tried to get an Uber. Uber wasn't coming. <laughs> and then when they finally did respond, they were like, hey, we'll be there in a half hour. And I'm like, nah, we got we to gotta get out of here. But nonetheless, uh, you can see where, again, it probably was a really, really um, – beautiful city at one point still not a bad looking place but you see a lot of vacancies a lot of dilapidated buildings they are sort of refurbishing uh, the riverfront which again i had no reference point for any of that uh, but the mommy river and uh, i mean our accommodations were great and everything was great the folks were wonderful people at toledo were great uh, other than how they treated us on the football field but nonetheless uh it was a nice trip because the weather was great Lows in the low 60s, highs in the low 70s. And to get away from, it was 105 degrees when we left Houston. And to get away from that heat and humidity, if only for about 36 hours or whatever it was, it was a wonderful thing to do. It was a nice little break. But yeah, Toledo. So if you want to know about Toledo, I'm not your tour guide, but I can tell you a few things. And now I can check that off of my bucket list. So. Going to take one more time out, come back on the other side with Reggie Brown. Want to hear from our resident DJ. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 
832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Michael Franks. I was supposed to see Michael Franks a couple of weeks ago, and then I had some technical difficulties with the pre-recorded Friday Express. If you listen to the Friday Express, you know what I'm talking about. Rough, rough night. I had to deal with that, or tried to deal with that. Missed out on seeing Michael Franks, but I've seen him before. If you don't know who Michael Franks is, you have an appointment with YouTube. Get your glass of wine. Set the mood, relax, and just chill. It's not necessarily all romantic music. It's just chill. You just got, it's a vibe. You heard Michael Franks. You know what it is. But if you have music you want heard on the podcast, if you're a DJ and you want to have your mix heard or you want to uh, send us your music if you're a fledgling artist, hey, just email us. Music at WadesWordProductions.com. Music at WadesWordProductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We just uh, wanted to keep it family friendly a little bit. I mean, we can bleep out some stuff, but it can't be like, hey, bleep, 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 bleep. We can't do that. But aside from that, if you have music, music at wadeswordproductions.com, music at wadeswordproductions.com. Let's hear from our guy from the special teams unit, former NFL wide receiver, and our guy, Reggie Brown. Back from the special teams unit, our guy Reggie Brown. Man, one week of the NFL season in the books. A lot going on in college football. And, of course, I want to do a this or that segment with you in just a little bit. But let's start a little bit with college football. A lot going on in college football. I think the biggest story, well, the two biggest stories, Texas beating Alabama. But it's all about Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, getting a lot of oxygen, a lot of attention around on the sports landscape. He's he's one of the big stories. Uh, what do you think about the 2-0 start for Colorado? Well, I got some personal issues with Dion because he left the swag. So, but to answer your question, you know, you get a guy who can recruit, who has a son that's a professional quarterback, and you bring in the Dion swag, man, and you got a chance. And to start the season off, you know, he's just been putting it, putting it together, man. 
Yeah, well, and one of the things I talked about last episode was all the people who were talking about Coach Prime, especially SWAC and HBCU fans, are you still supporting the SWAC? All the people who were on board last season, are you still on board? I mean, it's not an either or. You can support both. I just wonder, because the, the thing was, he, the narrative was that he's setting the SWAC up for success down the line, and I am wonder is any of this residual can can this continue without him or are just fans going to leave with him well i think that th- there's so many pieces to this you know I, it's hard to even have this conversation but it just didn't happen long enough to be sustainable there's only one prime time i think that had he stayed for a few years it would have been sustainable the fact that he was here today and gone tomorrow has really hurt the brand and it's you know it just becomes a footnote in history for all intents and purposes in my mind yeah well like i said it's an interesting thing and obviously i'm i have to say i'm i'm shocked i I shouldn't be because obviously he's been doing this his whole career since he was at florida state being able to garner that kind of attention but so far so good for colorado and another game that's going to get national exposure before he gets into the tough meaty part of that pac-12 schedule so that's interesting also in the swag of course we took one on the chin gramlin took one on the chin you guys took uh, alabama state took going on the team what happened at alabama state man you know we were up 17 to 6 maybe 17 to 7 and the offense couldn't do anything else the defense played their heart out and kept them out the end zone but by the fourth quarter you know we were gassed and they scored two late touchdowns to win the game man just a tough tough loss alabama state has never lost their mouths in the history of alabama state so you know, just a tough, tough loss, man. And then you got to regroup a quick turnaround for a huge game this yeah. weekend. How do you turn around so quick uh, and, and get ready for FAMU? Well, there are a couple things. So there's always been a hint of a quarterback controversy with D. Davis, the transfer from Auburn, and then the kid who transferred from Troy of who should be the starter. And then D. Davis wasn't effective in the game and so late they went to the new kid and you wonder how that's going to affect the team you know is it split you know how does the team feel about this in a locker room and like you said now you got to make that turnaround and go to Tallahassee that's going to be tough yeah a lot of people think this is the game for the SWAC's eastern division a lot of parity in the west I would say not as much in the east when you think about it maybe so it's yet to be determined but how do you see this matchup in your mind? Do you see this as the ultimate battle for the SWAC's Eastern Division? Well, definitely that. I mean, it's hard to say that when Alabama State just lost two miles. And so then how do you come back and say you're just going to beat FAM? But um, that Alabama State defense is tough, man. And they're going to keep Alabama State in the game. And, um, you know, I wonder if being down at Tallahassee, them being home, is going to be the edge or the deciding factor. You got two good football teams. So, you know, can the 
Hornets win on the road down there in Tallahassee was going to be a tough, tough deal. Well, yeah, I tell you what, man, they looked impressive against Jackson State when I saw them. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be uh, quite the challenge for the SWAC's Eastern Division, but we'll be watching that game as well. So let's talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, let's start with uh, some of the, the, the things that you saw. What are your, your main observations? Obviously, your team, the Miami Dolphins, were in a tremendous shootout. Tyreek Hill is everything he's always been. And more, a huge debut for him. Tua Tungavailoa looked great as well. Um, defense, not not so much, but again, a challenging offense. Talk a little bit about what you saw, and uh, not only with the Miami game, but a- across the NFL in Week One. Well, you know, the first week in the NFL season is always the same. You never know what you're gonna get. You're gonna find out quick who the pretenders are and all of those types of things. But the level of that Dolphins and Chargers game was freaking amazing. And then you get into the Bills and the Jets and what happened with Aaron Rodgers. And you look at Detroit and Kansas City. So, you know, there was just the unknown. Some of those questions get answered early during the first week of the season. But we got 16 weeks to go, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, you talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers and your division. That changes the landscape mightily, especially when you look at how impressive that team was outside of the quarterback position. Defensively, how they played against the Bills, forcing four turnovers from Josh Allen. Although, I mean, a lot of that was him. But nonetheless, they came up with those turnovers. In addition to that, you look at Hall, the running back. You look at Wilson with one of the phenomenal catches you're you're ever going to see. Talk a little bit about losing Aaron Rodgers in that division and how that changes the landscape in the entire AFC, especially in that AFC East. Well, it certainly changes the landscape, man, but that damn Jets defense going to keep them in some games, man. They are serious. They eight deep at defensive linemen. Both corners, Reed and Sauce Gardner, are probably top five in the league, top six in the league overall. I mean, that defense is playing, so they're going to be able to stay in some football games. You know, the, the quarterback position, obviously, for them is an issue, but you got Dalvin Cook. You got Carter. If you can run the ball with that defense, that's an appetite where you can be successful, a recipe to be successful. You know, the Bills are going to be there. Josh Allen is a gunslinger. He's a heck of a football player who's just going to have these types of games. But you know that that Bills team is going to be there late in December. And then the Dolphins, man, it comes down to this. The Dolphins win the, de- the division if Tua stays healthy. It ain't going to even be close. Yeah, and I thought, well, I thought Philadelphia kind of did some things to keep New England in the game. So that was a thing. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, you look at a situation where, I mean, look, I don't know. Well, the Bill Belichick team going to compete. They going to compete. You know, they they got a pretty good defense. You can run the ball with Stevenson, who is Mac Jones. You know, they're struggling at the receiver position. But you got Bill Belichick and a good defense. They going to be in games. That's just what it is with New England. Most people don't even realize they were one game away from the playoffs last year. I do want to touch on Josh Allen. Have we seen a a huge like MVP caliber player, one of the premier players in the NFL, be this bad at turning over the football? I mean, over the last few years, 84 turnovers. He's still considered elite, and he certainly is. But, man, doesn't that take away from who he is and what he does with all of these turnovers? I mean, you, you, you're talking about a guy 
who has been runner-up in the MVP race, but is also the guy that has the most interceptions since he was drafted. And that just does not happen. I think that, you know, there's going to have to be some maturity. You know, I think losing Dayball really, really hurt him. Um, he got Ken Dorsey. I'm not sure if Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator that's going to be able to help him to grow because a lot of those things, you know, a lot of those throws, just run the ball, man. Just go get get two yards and fall down. You don't have to throw it all around. Or throw um, it away. But, <laughs> yeah. And then, and but then then here's the here's the crux of this. With most athletes, the the very best of them is the very worst of them. And that same attitude that he has that makes him throw those types of interceptions are the same attitudes that makes him look phenomenal on most Sundays. Well, I'll tell you what, let's go to a segment that we call This or That. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. In this segment, Reg, I'll give you a couple of choices. You tell me this one or that one. Obviously, C.J. Stroud, the second overall pick, Bryce Young, number one. But after week one, seeing Anthony Richardson, who went 22 of 37, 223 yards passing, another 40 yards rushing, a touchdown rushing, and a touchdown passing with one interception, uh, he's uh, getting a lot of attention. Conversely, C.J. Stroud for the Texans, he went 28 for 44 for 242 yards. Those guys were combined, uh, they were sacked combined nine times, so they took their lumps. But in the end, this or that, who will have the better rookie season among those two quarterbacks? I'm going to take C.J. Stroud. And I say so because not necessarily between the quarterbacks. I think both of them are capable guys. I think both of them are going to be in the league for a while. But I think the Texans organization is more positioned to help their quarterback out. Indianapolis in flux. They hired Jeff Saturday last year and now. You know, they got a new coach, but now Jonathan Taylor is not there with the running game to support him. So the Texans with D'Amico Ryans running that defense and then having Pierce to run the ball and, you know, some capable, decent receivers. I think he's more positioned better to have the better season than than Richardson. But I like both of them. Man, but Richardson is a... Man, that's a phenomenal. That's an athlete. Uh, athlete. That's a uh, athletic guy. That's a big dude, big arm, big yes, body. Most definitely. And we can see him up I, close here in Houston this weekend too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the the deal is this, and I picked Houston to win the game, by the way. But the the deal is this: those guys are gonna go as the organization goes, and I just think that D'Amico Ryan's beyond what we think about the McNair family, the general manager, I think Nico Ryan's is really going to do wonders for the organization. And I think that he's going to have a solid, solid defense and take a lot of pressure off CJ Trout and let him mature as a quarterback. And he'll ultimately have the better career because of the organization. Well, what about the better season though? This season? I think that the Texans defense is going to keep the Texans in games, which means that they're going to run the ball a lot because that's how defensive-minded coaches think. So ultimately, I think Richardson will have the better season because they're going to be playing from behind and he's going to be using his feet and doing some phenomenal things. And he got a big arm. He got Pittman over there and you know, they, they got a nice just so ultimately I think he'll have a better season. Plus they ain't got 
and, it, and Jonathan Taylor comes back. Who knows what happens with that situation and how that, that affects him moving forward. So next up in this or that, a big wins this week for a couple of teams. The, the Detroit Lions, of course, they start the season going on the road beating Kansas City. But the Browns with an impressive division win over Cincinnati. Who had the bigger win, this or that, the Lions or the Browns? I would say the Lions. And the reason why I say the Lions is because they were trending this way towards the end of the year. And then you don't know how real it was because teams at the end of the year, they get hot, then there's some turnover, and then, you know, they're the Lions. So you expect that they're going to regress back to the mean. But that what they did last year with that offense and the way that Jerry Goff is playing now, you know, he's settled into the quarterback position. He's not making mistakes. And then they got – the, the running game there and the receiving game there, I think for them it has made them know out the gate that they're a winner and they can compete. And so I think it was much, much bigger for, for the Lions. Well, see, I, I kind of I disagree a little bit and only because I think this was more about Kansas City. No Kelsey, no Chris Jones. And, and just coming out that Super Bowl hangover of sorts, I think the Browns beating Cincinnati and after Joe Burrow just got all his money and you know all the hoopla behind that for the Browns to do, come up defensively and play the way that they did and dominate that game I think that is the most impressive of the two victories well I just from the standpoint of we know why what happened in that Kansas City game and again you said it correctly Kelsey's not there etc cetera, etc cetera. but for the Lions they're saying we beat the defending Super Bowl champions Right. That's you a good- can say what. You, yes, and so for them and that organization, that is a huge, huge win. They're gonna say they believe now we belong. We beat the Super Bowl champs yeah. on opening day in hostile territory. Yeah, so it remain to be seen how much they can get out of that victory moving forward. But, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think both of them are great wins. Yeah. But the division win, and you think about the Browns and Deshaun Watson anticipating that at some point he'll look like the guy he once was on the field. And the defense doing what they did. I think that was a, a good division win when you talk about positioning yeah, down the for line. Sure. for the. So, you know, so there's quick that. Quick question for you, though. Quick question for you or statement from you, Deshaun Watson. Well, I mean, I think Deshaun, obviously, at some point, you have to believe he's going to snap back and, and get into form. He had quite an interruption in his career. I mean, a lot self-inflicted, if you believe that, and the allegations and all of that stuff. But, I mean, whatever, your, t- <laughs> whatever your take is on any of that. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I mean, you know what kind of player he is. I did wonder, and I still do wonder, can he recover from the hit? Because he was a guy that thrived on being a guy that was loved by the community loved uh, and uh, celebrated and he was the feel-good story in so many ways i remember he teared up when he signed his extension and how the entire city loved him and then everything just did a 180 over time 
And you yes. wonder, can that that guy with that apparent need uh, to be the good guy, can you thrive when you know that from now on in the eyes of some, not everybody, and probably not much in Cleveland, but in the eyes of some, you're kind of the villain now. You're not everybody's all-American as it pertains to people rooting for you. You wonder, can he bounce back from that? And, and it remains to be seen. Yeah, man, I, I I gave him the first three or four or five games last year when he returned. But, man, I'm starting to wonder now. You know, some of the throws were awful. You know, last year, some of the throws were just awful. And I wonder what a year and a half of being away from football, if there is an effect there. And can he overcome it or not? That remains to be seen. But he is certainly not the guy that we saw in Houston who just was a beast on the football field. Yeah, not yet. And, of course, now you with the Browns organization, which, I mean, they've had their woes as an organization. I think they've, for the most part, righted the ship. And now they're, you know, they're not the joke of a franchise right now. Uh, it remains to be seen if they can put it all together and make a run in a very difficult division. So finally, yes, finally in the this or that segment, who had the most impressive win? The Dallas Cowboys blanking the New York Giants on the road on 9-11 or, or actually, no, that was not, no, that was on the 10th. The night of the 10th, 9-11 was the Jets or the yeah. San Francisco 49ers going to Pittsburgh and really dominating the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they played against two bad teams. You think the Steelers uh, are going to be that bad? Because I think the Giants are certainly going to be that bad. I don't. I don't. I think the Steelers. It's a tough division, but I think the Steelers are going to be in the mix. Do you really believe that the Steelers are not that good of a team? I don't know if Kenny Pickett has showed enough. I don't know, and I wanted Najee Davenport out of Miami. Out of when he came into the NFL. Uh, I wanted the Dolphins to draft him. I just don't know, man. It, you know, Pittsburgh does not look like Pittsburgh. They play with a certain style. They play with a certain bravado. And whatever reason, I just don't see it. Certainly that defense is good enough with Watt and Minka, but... They had trouble with the run. I mean, you know they're yeah, going to they're gonna get after the... Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. You know they get after the quarterback, but... Stopping the run, man, is that going to be an issue week in and week out? Or is it just a team that was on the brink of going to the Super Bowl in the San Francisco 49ers? I mean, you know, is it more about the 49ers or, or how bad the Steelers actually are? Well, I think it's I think it's both things can be true at the same time. You know, uh, you expect San Francisco to come out. They feel comfortable with their quarterback. They feel very comfortable with their scheme and what they do. People kind of take, in my mind, take San Francisco for granted. You know what I mean? I think it's probably because of the quarterback position. Because not, right. I mean, you exactly. got, you know, you were thinking, uh, okay, I think Garoppolo is probably one of the most disrespected in a Man. lot of ways, just based on what he was able to accomplish. I'm not saying Man. he's. He's a premier quarterback, but he did take the team to a Super Bowl, Super Bowl. to NFC championships, and when they won on the road in Green Bay on in the playoffs, he did some good things. And, and though he was probably managing the team, he was disrespected. And then you say the heir apparent is Trey Lance, then he goes out with injury. Now you have this guy, this nameless, faceless guy in Brock Purdy, who takes over. And had he All not got hurt, win, yeah, yeah, had he not gotten <laughs> hurt, could have went went to the Super Bowl. All they do is win, man. That's all they do. So which one was the most impressive? I have no trust in Daniel Jones 
But in New York on 9-10, close to 9-11, to just beat them down unmercifully, they, they made that Dallas look, defense look like the 85 Bears. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. I mean, that was a scary sight. If they can repeat that kind of uh, you know performance. Man. Who's going to block Micah Parson, man? That dude is just a freaking beast, man. He reminds me, and you'll know this, there are three guys that I see play this way. One is Lawrence Taylor. The second one is J.J. Watt. And the third one now is Micah Parson, where they just play every down, full speed. They don't care what the hell is going on. They're going to beat your ass. You get two, three, four, whatever you want. <clears throat> yeah. With, they they just going to beat you, man. And that Michael Parson, in my mind, man, he is a – he stay healthy and he's going to be an all-timer. And they're going to be talking about this kid among the greats, man. He just, he just plays football, man. And you remember – like J.J. Watt was the same way. Like three people would block J.J. Watt and he'd get a sack. Yeah. And his motor just did not stop. I mean, yeah, you got like Aaron Donald's another guy like that yeah. uh, when yeah. he's rolling yeah, uh, sure. as well. So, yeah, so uh, a lot with that. So, hey, man, well, like I said, a lot to get into, a lot of football left to be played, and we look forward to visiting with you real, real soon to talk about more of it. Wait, wait, wait. You really going to only get me – 10 seconds of Miami Dolphins. That's what we're doing. <laughs> What'd you say? You and those Dolphins Twitter streets. <laughs> okay. I mean, hey, look, what else can you say? I mean, obviously Tyreek Hill was was amazing. Uh, and I just thought that Tua did what Tua does. And, you know, you, you have some concerns defensively, but, you know, hey, great start for the team. And they almost picked up where they left off when they were playing their best before Tua had the concussion last year. You know, the unfortunate thing, man, as to be a Dolphin fan is all I'm worried about is Tua getting up. And that is a roller coaster. Right. For right. Right. I just, if my quarterback get up, we go into the Super Bowl. But over the course of his career, he's never got up for a full season yet. And so hopefully this is the year. He has an opportunity to either make $300 million because he stays healthy this year and he's the guy who we think he is, or he makes $100 million with a lot of incentives and clauses and stuff going on. And that's the biggest probably question for that franchise, the biggest question they've had over the last 25 years. I mean, about his health and can he, he sustain it? Because, again, he has really looked really, really good when healthy, and that didn't change on the, the, the season opener. The Chargers just can't. As good as they are, I think they are almost like the traditional San Diego Chargers. Only one of those teams went to the Super Bowl. And with Junior Seau and, and that team was Stan Humphreys or whoever was, uh, you know, that group went to the Super Bowl, the Steve Young Super Bowl when he won the Super Bowl. But besides that, they had great teams in the 70s and 80s with Dan Fouts and Eric Coriel and Kellen Winslow and John Jefferson and James Lofton. And then, no matter how good they were, they never were able to get to the Super Bowl. This looks like another in a long line of those kind of Charger teams. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. They got enough to get their ass whooped. 
You know, <laughs> they, 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 you know, Greg Williams, the who was you know the special teams coach at the Oilers and then head coach at Buffalo Bills. That was his statement. That's just good enough to get your ass. With. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They are really, really good football team, but at the end of the day. It's just enough, man. Just enough. You look at the quarterback, you look at the receivers, you look at Mac, you look at Bosa. They got enough. <laughs> but, but not to win it all. <laughs> they do. I mean, look, look Herbert, Herbert is, is, man, magnificent. But, you know, again, and you're really not weak in many positions uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you got depth at receiver. And, uh, you know, you just wonder if they're going to ever be able to put it together. And it's hard. It's going to be hard in that division. So it's a lot to talk about. I think I want to look at more of the AFC West this week to see what can we learn. Is there anything for certain about the Denver Broncos that we can learn this early? Um, Because they didn't get off to a rousing start. We want to see, of course, what the, the Raiders can do. I mean, there's a lot to be determined. Also, I also want to look at a little bit more of the NFC South because New Orleans and, and Tampa, Tampa with the win or with Baker Mayfield. So those are things that I'll be looking for. And, of course, I'll be at the Texans-Indianapolis game, which is inconsequential when it comes to, like, the playoff run. But it's interesting yeah, I'll to see I'll be the there future. as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to yeah. see the future at that quarterback position. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, Denver, well, well, you know, we can talk about this all night. So, because the special teams, people don't know that you got to have a special team to win. That's why we go so long. But uh, that Denver team, I don't know about Russell Wilson anymore. Well, I also have – I didn't see the game, so I don't, I, I don't know. But I do wonder, having continuity at the wide receiver position, because for all the talent that they've had, do any of those guys ever stay healthy? Just year right. in and year out, it, it, the right. sudden, the Judy, or, it, it was one that just got rid of. I mean, so, I mean, it just it continues, like not able to, to, to stay healthy. When at one, at one point that looked like that was a, the strength of their team, and, you know, now you look up and these guys are never healthy. There's not continuity. And uh, Russell's under the gun. And it seems like Sean Payton is his number one nemesis. I mean, that's supposed yeah, to be right. – instead of building him up, everything you hear out of that is him talking about Russell Wilson. Well, here's what I would say. Russell Wilson made Lockett a household name. He made those guys at Seattle – Seattle did not invest in receivers. They invested in defensive players, offensive line. And so Russell Wilson found a way to make pedestrian receivers look good, in my mind, in Seattle. And so the question is, can is he the same guy that can duplicate that with Sutton and Judy? And while I understand that they're – Hurt the the guys that have played. I don't know how much better athletically the guys in Seattle were compared to these guys. So the question will be asked: You know, has he just lost his moxie, lost his step, et cetera, et cetera? Because in my mind, he never had great receivers in Seattle. He made them look good, and also he had a running game. Now they did. I think yes. ran the ball, ball decently the other day. So we'll have to see, man. It, it'll be. One of the things that, because look, I can understand, I can clearly understand why people don't like Russell Wilson. But <laughs> I root for Russell Wilson. I, I mean, yes, for sure. You know, I'm not passionate about it, but I think, I think all in all, he's a good guy who is just kind of, you know, he's just not the guy that is going to appeal to a lot of people. And I think the fact that he 
seemingly tries to appeal to everybody is something that makes people hate him. <laughs> Where you there know, are the people that I, are just I, authentic and, and you like them or you don't. You know, I think for me, I look at this and through the eyes of a, a professional athlete, former professional athlete. And the fact of the matter is people are just who they are. And Russell Wilson is, I don't think that he's pretending to, to do anything or try to do anything. He is who he is. I agree. You know, he's, he's a little, you know, he's off color. You know, he ain't the rah-rah guy. He's not this. He's a, you know, he is who he is. And when you're like that, if you, the, the I guess the league wants guys to just have this bravado and to, you know, be this figure. And really, if you were Dion, Dion is not making that up. That's who he is. Right, right. Russell Wilson is not making this up. It's just who he is. You know what I mean? So for me, I look at Russell Wilson from the position of how are you playing? And right now, he's not playing well. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll 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 keep an eye out on that. So those are things we'll look for in week two. Cause I think, like I said, week one is so unpredictable, especially yeah. now that these guys get less preseason work in game like situations than ever yeah. before. So that's tough. And so we'll see some ring rust or whatever, uh, I think oh, for yeah. the first couple of weeks. So hey man, look forward to it and we'll catch up soon. Hey man, you win on special teams. Trust me on that. <laughs> To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. I want to thank Reggie as always. Look forward to hearing your feedback from his comments. You certainly can leave those at 832-941-6614. No Lamont Award this episode. You can always send me your suggestions. Just email me, Devin at WadesWordProductions.com. Devin at WadesWordProductions.com. So we are going to wrap it up here. But before I let go. Before I let go. Before I go, want to thank Reggie, want to thank our DJ, DJ Anarchy, want to thank Cobank Holmes and Brighter Brains, want to thank you guys. Thank you for checking in. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks for liking, sharing, talking about the podcast, sharing it on social media, all of that good stuff. Reminder, 832-941-6614 on Twitter at Wade's Word, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook and on Instagram and threads at the Devin Wade. But if you can't remember any of those things, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. (laughs) This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.